Hello, hello. Welcome to San Diego 350's New Energy Podcast. This is our first podcast, and my name is Sebastian Fay, and I will be speaking to Jesselyn Fong and Adelka Hankova, who are fellows at SD350. So first, I just want to uh, give a land acknowledgement for those of us who are in San Diego County. We are Zoom calling in on Kumeyaay land. There are people whose traditional lifeways intertwine with a worldview of earth and sky in a community of living beings. This land is part of a relationship that has nourished, healed, protected, and embraced the Kumeyaay people to the present day. It is part of a worldview founded in the harmony of the cycles of the sky and balance in the forces of life. It is important for us to pay for our respect. It is important for us to pay our respects for the past, present, and future generations of Kumeyaay people. So I just want to welcome you both, Jocelyn and Elka, to the podcast. And I want to just introduce our audience to you. Just, uh, Jocelyn, you can go first. Tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, just a little bio, and, and what brought you to SD350. Yeah, so um, I'm a senior I'm here at ASIC High School. And I originally was brought to SD350 actually through another program. I did a week-long climate leadership training in July through the Climate Reality Project. And after that, I began working on this legislative bill, um, also known as AB 1922, which is actually a bill that was working to mandate um, climate change curriculum in public schools in California. So with my work through that, I became involved in the K-12 education pod, and the adult activists in that were actually linked to SD350. So thanks to them, I heard of this amazing opportunity, and I was able to get the education outreach position as intern. Very nice. Uh, Adelka? Yeah, so hello, my name is Adelka Hankova, and I'm a senior at Point Loma High School. And so I've been an activist for climate change for as long as I can remember, but began my real journey when I entered high school. Um, I'm a leader of an eco club at my school where we lead presentations on current news about climate change. We host beach cleanups and actively join new groups that are in San Diego, like different organizations. And so I discovered SC350 a little over a year ago where I was asked to organize a school strike at my school, but unfortunately due to the pandemic, it was canceled. But with a lot of brainstorming, I had a role in celebrating and organizing a virtual climate uprising. And this was a really great opportunity for me to expand on my leadership skills and work with adults. And then after after that, we decided to have a virtual summer camp in which I organized and facilitated it, which was really fun and awesome. And, and that brings us to this fellowship where I knew this fellowship would uh, be a great opportunity for me to work with the youth, to empower people around me, and to expand and work on skills I'll be able to use in college next year. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. And so, I mean, we briefly touched upon, you know, this fellowship that you've, you're getting towards the end of now. And um, from what I understand, it's focused on campaigns, right? Um, mm-hmm. And, and one, one against SEMPRA, right, you or, uh, helped organize. There was a drive-by, um, a caravan, uh, and another one against, you know, fracking in the state of California, um, trying to get it outlawed by the, the local government, um, by our state government, uh, Newsom and such. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about what you know about these campaigns uh, and, and, you know, what you've learned or what, what you've been involved in? Yeah, so I can go ahead. So um, as you mentioned, like each of the fellows have different positions. And actually, Kate, who is another fellow 
um, is in charge of strategic campaigns. And so their team has been focusing, um, of course, on fracking. So um, the amazing like way our fellowship works is that all of us can work together, um, even though we have different teams. So, for example, Kate has been working on an eco club coalition. And through this coalition, she hopes to get a bunch of eco clubs within our San Diego high schools um, to work together to create a larger petition that we can take up to Governor Newsom. And, um, you know, I'm, my team has been helping with outreach, of course, to those various high schools as well as just collecting and we're currently working on a toolkit um, and we're doing a team like paper on fracking just to provide initially to all these high schools um, just for the basic information. Um, but yeah, that's how my team has been helping out with cool. Kate's campaign. Yeah, and um, as for my team, my team is the actions team. And since Kate's campaign is just now um, about to start now, we're, we uh, brainstorm ideas on how we can help this campaign by um, organizing weekly challenges and activities people can do from home to help this campaign. So it's a really fun process and it's a creative one that a lot of people can think of and brainstorm new ideas for this campaign. So that's what my team does. Cool. Can you tell me, Adelka, a little bit more, like what kind of activities you've, you've put together? Um, yeah. So for this campaign, um, we, we um, are doing chalk art that we do outside of like your home nice. or your driveway um, just to raise the issue about fracking, because as we know, a lot of people um, have overlooked this really important issue that needs mm -hmm. to be talked about more often. So we're trying to find like interactive activities that um, will just gain the attention it needs. And yeah, that's what we're doing so far. Cool. And then Jocelyn, just, I mean, I know you, you put together, say, a little like kind of pamphlet or informational or paper, right? Mm -hmm. um, what, like what what are some like highlights or what, what are some things you took took away from that? Just just if you could share, um, you know, some basics for, for those who, who are interested. Yeah. So actually, we're in the middle of building it right now and it's supposed mm -hmm. to be done at the end of November, but okay. it's going to contain like a basic detailed explanation of fracking, you know, um, as well as what California has been doing regarding legislation for that. Um, but something like an additional that my team has already accomplished is we've created an intro to climate change presentation that we've been giving at local high schools and colleges. So, of course, at the end, when we after explaining basic climate science, um, we also plug in the campaigns that we're doing and how the youth can get involved with that. Cool. Yeah. So you've been, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I just want to ask. So you've been going to other schools and you've been giving kind of climate 101 uh, presentations. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, Delka. I was just going to add on to what Jocelyn said at the very beginning that we all, all the different fellows have different roles. Mm -hmm. And um, Jocelyn, as she said, she had the intro to climate change. What the actions team was doing, um, one of our bigger things was we did um, a socially distanced walkout where 20 students from different high schools in San Diego came together um, in downtown and we walked with signs and like raised, raised, sorry, talked about how important voting is for the youth. Since we're all under 18, we wanted to show um, people around us how important it is, it is for us, for them to vote. And um, each one of our weeks, just like Jocelyn, um, we have like a theme. And this week we had a vegan theme where we had a vegan dinner night at our Thursday call because we talked about the issues of um, the importance of like eating vegan but you don't have to go all vegan we're just trying to implement like slowly into your diet and like how these things affect us 
And so just like Jocelyn said, we all do our own thing. And that's like the beauty of this fellowship that we have our freedom and we work together when we need our help. So it's really cool. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Um, I just wanted to say, so you mentioned, you know, changing our diet. I think that is one of the most important things we can all do to, to really make an impact mm-hmm. um, very quickly. Right. Because it's, it's mostly, you know, red meat, um, cows take up enormous amount of land, enormous amount of water, mm-hmm. resources, yeah. and the like. And, but also you mentioned something I think that was important, which is we can't expect people to just drop everything, you know, right away. Um, yeah. and, and it's kind of a slow, you know, you have to ease into these things, right? You have to ease into changing your diet. You know, you're not just going to go to the grocery store and just suddenly, you know, stop buying everything you used to (laughs) yeah um but i I think that's that's a really good attitude to have and just understanding that like also it's encouraging to say you know as long as you're making slow progress like every little change helps and Mm -hmm. and and understanding that they are habits and you have to break those habits um Mm -hmm. so so i think you guys are definitely on the right track there yeah um and yeah, I mean, let's let's talk a little moving forward. You know, you're both clearly, you know, youth leaders in the local climate movement. You've been great uh, support and and for for SD three fifty and and encouraging others. Um, but I would like to know, you know, where do you see taking you know this passion in college and what you study and and uh, you know onwards as as adults? Uh, Jocelyn, you can go first. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that we're doing college applications right now, um, but I for sure um, plan on majoring in environmental science or earth systems. Of course, like the name of the degree varies wherever I'd go, but I definitely do want to have a career either you know as a climate scientist or maybe a conservation scientist. Um, but I just love to combine the passion I have for environmental activism into my lifelong career. So I don't really know you know, the future, like what it holds, but for sure I want to major and learn more about environmental science and how I can contribute as, you know, a working adult. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. Delka? Um, so like exactly what Jessalyn said, I'm taking, may, well, I don't know yet, but I'm hoping to take a little bit of a different path and that would be political science. And I would hopefully go to law school after, um, my four years at a university and uh, hopefully become an environmental lawyer so I can actually do something impactful with my passion. Um, although I am only 17 at interest change, I know that I'll forever, it will forever be my goal to be an activist and encourage others to join this movement and make real changes in our world. And so I'll see what I enjoy in college, but I know like this will always be my passion. So we'll see where that brings me. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. It sounds like you're both you both want to at least give a shot of, of making it, you know, your full-time career and, and really committing yourself to that. I think that's really, really awesome. Um, one thing that I, I've looked at and I think is very interesting is in addressing our climate, you know, crisis would be from the law front, from a legal standpoint is to, mm-hmm you know, grant authority, like grant legal status, you know, Mm. consider these like entities, like our rivers, like our forests, you know, like that they have a right to live and and, and to to thrive. Mm -hmm. You know, we we don't value, we just look at them as 
dollar sign, right? Like as, as Earth to, to extract. And um, I think that would be a huge thing to kind of push for in the future, right? Um, that and also, have you heard of rewilding, the, the concept of rewilding? No, I have not. Okay. I also think it's something very interesting. It's the idea that you let, you know, nature return to stuff like, like you buy, let's say, or you just leave your backyard and you let it, you let it go wild, essentially. Um, (laughs) It works best on a lot of land, but the idea is that we would, instead of, you know, constantly growing how much farmland we have, how much pastures we have, we would be able to, you know, retreat and to, to let nature, you know, figure out, you know, recreate its natural ecosystems. And I think that is something that we really should be looking towards in the future as well. You know, we have so much of America is just farmland, right? Or pastures for, for, as you said, it's like, what happens when we all go (laughs) vegan and we stop eating meat and we don't need, you know, these cows, these slaughterhouses, these giant, you know, factory farms, Um, you know, what do you do with the land? And, clearly nature knows what, what it needs and, and it will it will come to that kind of conclusion so yeah i just kind of want to want to throw that out there as something that i've been paying attention to and i think is is going to be part of the movement moving forward right because mm-hmm. the idea is and i think greta put it best uh you know we need to take a few steps back you know exactly, and yeah. and uh and also you know we don't know what's right for the, for the planet. Like we don't know what, what the right species, you know, we, we might say, Oh, these beetles need to go or something, but, mm-hmm. but then we take them out and then we actually take out their predators and the, the predators of those beetles. And then the beetles do better, you know, and then they take down the trees. So um, I think, you know, we have, we have decades and, and or centuries of, to learn, learn from nature. And, and there's just so, so much there. Yeah, um, for sure. For sure. And that's like the beauty of it, just how interconnected each of our ecosystems are. Like when you're explaining that, I don't know, um, when my team was like working on educating um, high schools, like in our intro to climate presentation about biodiversity, that's something like we all really realized and definitely like value. Yeah, totally. I also saw this beautiful thing where it was like, um, if animals go extinct, um, other than humans, there was like this horrible photo of like, there was no greenery, nothing. And then I was like, if humans went extinct, and it was like this beautiful greenery, and like this thriving nature. It's just crazy how that works. Yeah, it's just it's so unfortunate how we view, you know, the our society views trees worth more dead than they are alive. Exactly. Right, right. And yeah, or we just say, oh, it has to be a park, right? Mm-hmm. If it's not a park, it's not protected. Right, um, exactly. And I don't know, Europe actually doesn't have national parks. They just <laughs> protect all the green space they can, um, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah. But um, I think it's also, I mean, yes, there is protecting nature, but um, what, what do you what do you both think about the idea of like changing our economic system so we don't need to consume? You know, like there's also this idea of like closed loop uh, economies or something where 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 we you know keep the goods within themselves. You know, recycle like fully. You know, we don't like recycle a little bit. We recycle everything. Mm-hmm. 
Um, right. I definitely think that's a really important step into like the future and how things are going to have to um, like be. And I wish that we would have done some more research sooner because the amount of like things that go into the landfill is, is literally so crazy. Like I can't yeah. even like understand it and how much like isn't recyclable. And I was talking yeah. to like people from like Italy and there's like six different containers that you like throw away like plastics, aluminum and right. like all these things that they reuse and you never throw away like a dirty um, like plastic because they're also never be recycled. And that's like basic information that so many people don't even know. And um, I just think it's ridiculous how America hasn't taken like this issue sooner because we could have been doing so much more with recycling and like sustainability. Yeah, totally. Totally. And, and there's another thing. And um, I, I actually lived in Germany for a little bit. I went studied abroad there. And in the supermarkets, you can bring your bottles. You know, you clean. You have to clean out your bottle and you bring it in. It's a little machine and it will scan it and will literally give you a receipt. You know, right? That's so cool. Not even That's a sense. It gives you like a printout, a little printout. Like, and it, you get like 10, 15 euro cent every single bottle. So like if you bring in like 20 or so, you know, if you got yourself like three, four bucks off your, off your grocery bill, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Um, I'm from the Czech Republic and it's the same okay. thing. It's the same thing there. And it's kind of crazy that like we think that like of America, like so progressive and like does all these things when almost all other countries that um, are like in the same development as us have are doing more for the environment. Yeah. Like, I mean, it breaks my heart. Like in high school, when I realized um, that the recycle, we have recycle bins like everywhere and, you know, people actually do put their glass bottles if they're drinking, you know, but it, I learned it doesn't even go to the recycling center. It just gets dumped in with the trash and yeah, it just breaks my heart, but I'm really, I'm, I know like during my climate reality training, Al Gore from my vice president, Al Gore mentioned, you know, we're in the middle of a green revolution and a sustainable revolution. And I'm really excited just for more progression and development in that aspect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's talk. I mean, let's talk about that. You, you mentioned, so you did do the climate reality training. Um, mm -hmm. And, and that was to help make you like a, you know, that, that probably helps with your education and outreach, right? I mean, that, that's, yeah. uh, um, and, and obviously he was one of the, the first, right? Like the inconvenient truth was one of the earliest, yeah. um, earliest movies out there, documentaries really, yeah. um, detailing what, what was going on, but I don't know. It's actually kind of crazy. I mean, classic though most people just ignored it right yeah and um yeah we, we i don't know yeah we can't... no yeah the training the training was really great and it was actually pretty funny or not funny but the way that i learned about it is because i just at the time there were so many social injustices and i was actually not really you know looking or educated in the i guess environmental activism like area but it was actually through realizing that you know environmental racism is real and that you know racism extends all the way into the climate crisis that I realized how intersectional everything is and that's where my passion really for um environmental activism sparked because you know when you fight against the climate crisis you essentially are fighting so many other social injustices and mm -hmm. that was definitely one huge take like takeaway that I got from the climate reality training for sure right right i mean i think that's just part of 
how we need to start looking at things, right? Like, yeah. like history is not different from, you know, science. This is not different from like politics, which is not different from transportation, which is mm-hmm. right. Like there, there all is, there's, you know, webs and interconnection. Like I like to think of it, you know, it's like a, like a tapestry, like a giant, you know, blanket and every party has a, a side they're all pulling on, but it's all the same, you know, yeah. <laughs> same fabric that we're all kind of working with. And yeah, I think it's so foundational just to, to, to kind of claim like, obviously the earth is one ecos, like one giant, like planet, which is all has to be in some way interconnected. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's surprising the, the more you look into it. Um, so, so yeah, I want to, we'll take a step back and, and go talk a little bit more about, um, I, I was wondering, you know, you're aware that the majority of the of all volunteers and most people that can, you know, give a lot of time to a nonprofit, um, are, are older. Um, and, and so that being said, what are some of the, you know, challenges and opportunities that you've noticed, uh, in your volunteering and, and your fellowship so far? sure they've all been really nice (laughs) yeah um I can go first so um, my first encounter um with this age gap was just really noticing that in these meetings I was really like the only teenager or even like like close to that age group Mm -hmm. but I really didn't mind because it was my SD350 was like the first organization that I um was with and like actually joined meetings and the people every all the adults were so supportive of me and they were so happy to see like someone young uh, no they're all young but someone younger to come and join and they were really supportive and really helped me like through my activist journey and really like got me to where I am today so I really I didn't have very many challenges I don't think only like positive things from them so I'm really grateful for all of them because it was really a great experience and still is yeah I I, I totally agree Adoka like you were saying um except my first kind of encounter in like this area of activism was through climate reality but at their chapter meetings it was me and like two other friends and we were the only you know like teenagers there and we were texting each other we were like wow like this is kind of weird kind (laughs) of odd but you know like you were saying like all the adults I've encountered and worked with they only like take us in with open arms and they're just so grateful to have us and like have that youth perspective and you know I hope they realize how grateful we are to have them because we're so we're constantly supportive supported by them and they're so extremely understanding and if anything um I definitely just learned to like gauge when I should be very professional or like rather casual and um, within the fellowship I'm actually the adult like liaison so I communicate with the Y4C adult support team as well as the fellows and I you know kind of work to make sure we're on the same page but I've just learned to also clarify the language I use I know um, Mm. we talked about we would mention BIPOC communities and I remember I'd get a lot of like questions like what is BIPOC you know so now I'm just extra cautious and not cautious but more aware that you know some things need to be more clarified so whenever I say that word in like a webinar or anything I make sure just to throw out the definition there yeah right right Mm -hmm. acronyms (laughs) that's that's definitely something like you know we come with new ones all the time and Uh just gotta every you know educate everybody about it but I feel like that one is, is totally gone mainstream at this point Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or yeah so you know 
any advice that you give to other youth that are trying to uh, engage, let's say, their parents or their, their grandparents or uncles or whatever to, to care <laughs> about the planet, about, about what's, you know, this, this path we're on? Yeah, I could definitely speak about this because um, as the actions team fellow, I've had a lot of problems like getting people to actually do actions or to continue to be in this movement. But I really saw like the most effective thing is to really do like make change in your household or in your everyday life. Because soon people like in your life will notice these changes and become more aware of the issue if you... um, like teach them about it and educate. But I also learned that like educating people who then don't do change is really not effective at all because then other people don't think it's that uh, important of an issue. So what I always like to do is give people a few challenges to do like over months and um, soon their whole family is doing it and they're teaching their aunts and uncles about it. And it's, it's really fun because like being sustainable can be fun and it could be a family thing or a friend's thing. And if people don't realize how simple it could really be, but it really just starts with taking action right away. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really great. And um, just kind of, you make it real, you know, right? You, yeah, you, uh, totally. um, I, I can totally agree with that. Any, anything yeah. or Jessalyn, do you just totally agree with? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'd like to add on. I'm totally going back to what with Adelco was saying, um, with how important it is just to talk to the people around you. You know, that goes back to the idea of like your circle of influence. And I remember seeing this somewhere, like if you teach one teacher to teach about climate change, then they teach their 20 students who all take it home to their families. So yeah, just, I feel like you know, everyone should keep trying and pushing these conversations just because they are so impactful. And um, going back to what you were saying, Sebastian, about like being real, I think something super important when you are communicating this is just to be genuine and speak about to how speak about how much it really matters to you. You know, I feel like it definitely everything resonates with people more when they can see your passion. So, you know, just providing examples as well as like how it affects them, like locally, like. For example, I know some one reason or one way I've been bringing up climate change um, at the dinner table is talking about the wildfires, just because that's all over the news. But it's things like that that people might not immediately connect to climate change, but you can help them find that bridge to connect it. Mm-hmm, totally. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I, I mean, because I, I I led the I've been part of the presentation team and I, I went out and gave presentations to, you know, fifth up fifth graders all the way up to you know college students and, and older. Yeah. And the one thing, you know, first of all, there's a lot of science that that's really hard to communicate, but it's really important. And, um, and going, even going back to this whole interconnected thing, basically our planet's heating up. Right. And, and that, you know, melts the glaciers, melts the ice. The ice then um, has these molecules, right? There's more moisture in the air, in a sense. And, but it's it's like also unevenly distributed. And that's why some places are getting, you know, like the middle of the country, you know, has these huge snowstorms. And then we have major drought. It's just mm-hmm. totally misses us. But But that's actually because of more like the jet stream which is something else that's complicated to explain but but basically like it's so hard to peel back the layers of what is actually happening but we can see the impacts right Mm -hmm. um 
like you can see that the ocean's getting warmer or more acidic um that they're i don't know if you've ever been like snorkeling or, or anything like that but mm-hmm. you can see that like the coral it's i remember when i was younger it was it was colorful it was bright and now it's almost all it's yeah. all bleach it's all yeah. gone yeah. um and yeah when you look when you understand what's happening there it's just and the other thing that's so dangerous about this is that it's slow changes like we can kind of say oh there's definitely more wildfires than there was but it's still like creeping you know like like the the real danger of it is like okay this creeps a little bit more each time so each year because we don't know what's happening in the future but each year could get worse each time right yeah Yeah. um and and we are kind of setting that in motion and and i think that's where it gets hard to communicate right but but it's where it's so essential because us being you know real youth understand that hey it's already not that great you know and and what about our you know lives (laughs) you know like and and you know where is this going to be in 20 years and 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 that's really where um it comes into play of wh- where we need to be. Okay, we need to make changes now. You know, it's already a little. We're already late. Like, yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. And I, I think that's that's important to mm-hmm. to kind of um, keep in mind. But also, I mean, I mentioned this is just like you have to balance between the the hope and and the the danger, right? Like, yeah. like I f- I feel like humans in general just we do need like we do need crisis. We do need something to motivate us to make these changes. Right. And, and if everything was just fine, right. We would just continue living the way we would like, we would just continue doing things the way we would. Right. Like being very wasteful and, and not, you know, thinking of like new solutions, not really pushing for renewable energy. Right. If, if it wasn't a problem and like our, our Arctic, you know, our, the Arctic wasn't melting. Right. Right. I feel like we wouldn't have the impetus to change our lives and and change our whole society. But, um, so yeah, I want to ask you, um, you know, have you had any, I like to say like aha or, or realizations in your activism and journey so far, you know, through, through, through these past few years and, um, yeah, anything you're willing to share? Yeah, um, I've had like a few and it's definitely something we've already mentioned throughout this podcast, but it's, it's really like an aha moment is something when for like for another person that I have contributed to is like telling them that, oh, these wildfires like aren't supposed to be happening this often. Mm -hmm. And like everything that we actually see and like direct impacts like um, on the cliffs, like erosion, like rising sea levels, like everything we directly see. And like you explain to your friends, like, you know, like this is like climate change and this is going on. And they're like, what, really? And you're like, yes. And we can do <laughs> stuff to to change it, you know, like changing our mm-hmm. lifestyles. And I think that's like, that's the craziest thing, like that it's really the power of education and like changing your lifestyle, um, just altering it a bit. And like, I don't know like it just still like so mind-boggling that a lot of people don't know how how bad our situation is right now yeah 
Yeah, I totally agree. And I feel like most of my like aha moments too, like deal with like just learning and educating, you know, either myself or others. I know something that really like really surprised me was actually this summer I did a Red Cross like disaster preparedness program. And of course, you know, the Red Cross, you work to prepare for, you know, natural disasters. But, you know, after shortly after, I learned that these natural disasters aren't really natural, like as natural as they seem. So I guess like that definitely took me back and made me look at things from a different perspective. And as well, um, like Adelka was saying, through education, um, I'm also part of another group called the Youth Environmental Action Pod in, in San Diego Climate Reality Chapter in their um, chapter. And we did a climate strike week, so a virtual climate strike week, as you know, we're all trying to do um, as much as we can given the current circumstances. And we were actually super grateful. And one of the teachers within the chapter was able to use our infographics um, in their curriculum. So it's just kind of those like moments, you know, like where you feel like, you know, the stuff you're making and you're doing, it's really getting somewhere. And she just would always tell stories about how, um, her students would be like, oh, Miss W, Miss W, like, you forgot, like, you know, you forgot to teach us the climate um, stuff today. And I was like, that just warms my heart that kids are actually looking forward to learning this, you know, hopefully, this can be like implemented in our curriculum as you know, it's needed. Yes, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think that's super important. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've got one last question for both of you. And um, so what does Friday for the future mean to you? And uh, what gives you hope or or what makes you cheerful? Um, So Friday for the future means change, hope and action and students, families and children and adults all give me hope. So um, as we mentioned before, like, um, I think hope is very important, obviously, but change is even more important. And so around the world, we see these numbers rising with people joining in marches, making changes in their households, their neighborhoods, and just in their lives. And uh, the community that people and we all have created gives me so much hope. And I'm so thankful to be a part of this movement because I know that we're going to make a change in this world. And it's so important that more people join this movement and I don't even know if should it should be called a movement because everyone should be in it. So I I really hope that everyone like um, really sees what we're in right now and like slowly start to make change. But I'm I'm really hopeful for what we've created here. Definitely, it's awesome. Yes, for sure, Delka, and um, I totally agree. You know, it inspires me knowing that there's just so many other people and youth across the globe and the whole world, you know, that are constantly doing what they can to help the climate crisis. Um, it amazes me how they're constantly being creative and, you know, coming up with more unifying methods, you know, spreading awareness of this crisis. And it's just so inspiring to see, like, the human connection also that this, um, you know, movement builds. And essentially, it's just overall super incredible to see that people are able to to kind of take a step back and just be grateful for what the earth gives us and you know people are doing their best um to do what they can do Mm -hmm. awesome yeah definitely gratitude respect kindness um you know you said a movement i mean like let's hope it's like a lifestyle right yeah exactly i know we need to to make another term for that yeah (laughs) something like that exactly well thank you so much both jessalyn and delka for your time and i really appreciate um 
you and, and your your passion and energy and um also you know for anybody that's listening um appreciate you taking the time to listen with us uh please check out san diego350.org for more information on the organization and what we're up to you can also follow us on facebook instagram or twitter all right signing off thank you both thank you Bye. thank you so much <laughs>